0: You are listening to Figuring Shit Out with Dr. Nikki Naraden where you can finally get yourself out of that state of confusion. Confusion is the stealer of dreams and move into some clarity so that you can really like live your passion, your hope, your dream, anything you ever wanted. It's all possible. You could feel better really, really quickly. All right, enjoy the episode. Well, hello, my lovely friends. It's Dr. Nikki here, and we are figuring shit out and figuring shit out together, which I really love. I love that we have this opportunity to do this, that we get to do this once a week, and life will become easier. Easier in that way that there's no guarantee that you're going to feel good all the time. There's never been that guarantee. There's always been the 50 50 of life from the beginning of time. There have been difficulties and things that have happened and things that are unpredictable. But the way in which we perceive them and the way in which we deal with them will change. And so then you don't turn the 50 50 into 80 20 or 90 10, where fighting. A difficult time, and somehow believing that it's not supposed to happen that way creates an internal angst that really makes life that much more difficult. And we're going to talk about that today because I've been thinking about that from a different perspective. But we're going to start off with the commitment. And what I usually say is that commitment generally will be with you all the time, keep it on your phone, laminate a copy, hang it by your mirror. And, and say it consistently, because it is something that is completely true related to the universe and completely true related to the lovable person and human that you are. When you think about the possibilities of being born into this existence, it's one in a trillion. We had to have ancestors that lived before us that actually lived. We had to have sperm and eggs come together together. And there are millions and millions of them, if not billions. And yet here we are. So this is truly a miracle that we come from one cell into this ball of cells, and then we differentiate into this. So we deserve to be here. Our lovability is undeniable and unquestionable, no matter what. And anything that you believe that does not support that fact is really just the world and the oppression coming in and telling us different things about ourselves. So the commitment is I joyfully promise from this moment on to never give up my dreams and goals. I choose to remember always that the whole world is mine to explore and I need never be alone in figuring it out and making it just right. That I was born worthy And lovable without condition. And whatever brought me to this place is just the journey to my present and future self and not the sum total of who I am or who I will become. Yay! Every time I read that, I'm always really excited. And then we've been going through A Course in Miracles, which really is just the way in which we dismantle. The thinking that we have somehow come to think most of the time unbeknownst to us and most of the time not with our control or consent, even though we somehow believe that our thoughts are consensual. they're they're really they come from so many different places. And believe me, i I say no. To these thoughts or many of these thoughts. And really A Course in Miracle just dismantles this idea about how attached we are to the thinking that we have and where the ego, which is the part of us that is protecting our physical body in a certain way, but sometimes protecting it in ways that it's not in danger from. Helping the ego to, to actually not think that we're so separate from other people, but rather we have some agency about how we move through this world and the effect that we have, as well as the the effect that people have on us. So I kind of love it because I think in order for us to truly change our human experience on this planet, and really we're spiritual beings with a small human experience on this planet and if we're going to have the best one that we can possibly have and the one that is the most useful to ourselves and to the rest of the planet then I'm I'm all about that. So so we're on lesson 14 and lesson 14 says that God didn't create a meaningless world. And I think it's really just another step in letting go of the thoughts that we have used to define this world and see the message of love in its place. So the the horribleness, and believe me, most of the horrors I have created in my mind as possibilities for the future, not that horrible things haven't happened, but the way in which we are bracing ourselves for it to happen, that we are different. Defensive at every moment that we have got our defenses up so much that we can't experience true connection and true love and true closeness and true unity between people Really keeps us so separate and creating a meaningless world for ourselves because, you know, the world is meaningless if we don't see ourselves as a part of a greater whole that's for sure. And the part of the greater whole is related to love. Now, on this human experience, we have a lot of contrast, meaning there are lots of things that happen to us that kind of pull us away from love, but we're always reaching back for it so that we can have the best experience possible, so that we can share whatever experiences we have for other people, so that they can have a different experience if they aren't in a place to really Find that experience yet, and that we could be the the beacon of light, or that we could be the the living example of what's possible and what it is that we could do on this planet. So I really do love that, and the way you practice this is you go around and you you see the horrible things that are going on, or you see some difficult things that have been created, and you say that that. Almost God didn't create that, you know, and remember, I uh, don't believe in God in that way that some people believe in God, not the the big all-powerful being in the sky, it's more the nature of the universe. And so I see it as an acronym, the generating, organizing, and delivering power of the universe. And really, if you've listened to my other episodes, you've seen that the, the universe definitely is always working and usually working in the direction of where you're focusing your attention. So it's not as if I think miracles are happening always out of nowhere i think that that my attention is directed in a certain way and i have certain thoughts and that creates vibrations and then i end up attracting other people with similar vibrations that come to me and and that's and we're looking for it we're looking for confirmation of what it is we believe is possible and if we believe something horrible is going to happen or something negative is possible you will always look for evidence in that direction and if you believe that that actually there is goodness in places where you are or where you're going then you will find the goodness and i've lived both so i know both and i've lived many years i'm 58 so so i kind of have had this experience and and i'm loving my life of possibilities that can generally see what is good. It's always so interesting to think this way because usually people will diminish your possibilities of good or where you see the world as a place of possible goodness as naivete or that you haven't experienced anything yet or that you haven't been hurt in a certain way or you haven't lived long enough. So they'll often say that to my daughter who was, a very hopeful, encouraging teenager, not without her struggles, but definitely saw the world in a particular way that she wanted to see the world and was fighting to make the world that way. And most of the people who are feeling a lot of early discouragement and disappointment would tell her that that when she grew up, that she would really realize that the world was not like that, that she, she would have her come comeuppance, I think that's the, the word for it, or, or something negative would happen and it would put her in a place and she would know all this time that her excitement or whatever it was, wasn't reality. And so I felt like as her mother, I had to live in that way that she somehow envisioned the world so that they wouldn't say that wasn't true for me. So they couldn't tell me that my experience was naive or that I would learn or something bad would happen because I was already at a certain level in my life. I was 58 years old and I worked as a doctor for 30 years and I ran the homeless services for the whole of New York city and saw patients in, in very, very hard situations and marginalized communities and still I could find the joy, and I could bring the joy, and I could bring the light, and that was the best that I got. And it made my life experience that much more fun and more relaxed. And that's what I want for you guys. How do you so so this this is kind of what I've been thinking about this week. Like, how do you stay relaxed? in anticipated hard situations. And the reason why I've been thinking about it is that I've had a couple of situations that have happened to me and happened to my family that were possibly going to be hard. So as you probably know, my husband and I are going through a divorce right now. And we were going to have a conversation the other day about our finances, about splitting our finances, about who had what and where it was and how we were going to do that. And I definitely anticipated it as a hard situation for many reasons. Some of the reasons were that I didn't think I could advocate for myself. Some were that I thought maybe he had so much more money in retirement than me and that I was going to get none of it. Some of it was that maybe I had more because I had been working more and that I deserved to have more. And I was wondering if I was going to have to dig my heels in so that I can somehow believe that I was advocating for myself in a way that I needed to. And if I gave in, that I was almost allowing somebody else to have the upper hand in a situation and that I would feel bad about it. But instead of assuming it was going to be a hard situation, I just decided that I was going to have some fun. Meaning I really don't know where the money is in our family because I wasn't the finance person. I was the person who went to work and came home and my husband was the financial guy and the accountant and he knew where things were and I trusted him with it. And I also kind of abdicated the responsibility to him. Like I didn't want it. So if anything, I was complicit in not knowing what was going on through no fault of his, just a fault of my own. And then just whatever our ideas about money were, I grew up believing that somehow women in particular didn't need to know where the money was The children absolutely didn't need to know how much money you had, that there was nothing that good came out of it. So, the fact that I know anything about money at all is almost miraculous because I have no idea how much there was, how much we should spend, what we needed to budget. Nobody taught me any of that. And I definitely know that my husband had a very similar idea about that. So, I went into the situation believing that I was going to learn something about our money situation that I didn't know before. And so I started to just kind of relax with it. And then I also came into that situation believing that everything was going to be okay. And that this was a person that I had trusted for over 25 years and that I can continue to trust them, even if he's hurt, because I was going to come with that same attitude of trust. And it turned out that it happened that way, that I made quite a bit more money over the years for reasons that I understand and know I'm I trust my ability to make money I have a job that makes a lot of money and I also believe that that I can hold on to money uh, my husband has other struggles related to money and that's okay but I did have quite a bit more money in retirement. And we are going to split it down the middle that we'll make sure that everything that we accrued during the marriage was going to be split between both of us. And that whatever happened during it, we had supported and backed each other during it. And it actually ended very easily. And then we went out to dinner and we're ready to go to the mediator with a paper about how we're going to split the money and how we're going to split the house and how we're going to think about things and we're going to do the best we can in, in terms of how we do that for each other. And so normally what I do is when I figure out things like that, now there's a couple of other situations that happened. Uh, my parents, as you know, I had to move them to an, an adult living situation outside of New York and they flew to Las Vegas and my mother kept saying, the trip is going to kill me. She was absolutely anticipating a trip that was going to kill her. She had a miserable month up to that point. And my 90-year-old father, who wasn't thinking that thought, actually figured out ways to make that trip go well. He got a first-class ticket on an inexpensive day. He also found somebody that we know really well and love to take them over. There were wheelchairs in the airport going and also leaving the airport where I was at the other end, picking them up and having set up the whole apartment for them and really thinking about what the the obstacles would be to making that go well or not well. So everything went fine. And then she said to me, oh, that was so much better than I thought. Actually, it was really fun. I hadn't been on a plane in a while. So if we can somehow decide to not believe that everything is going to be an absolute hardship before we get that, almost like that pre-traumatic stress syndrome. We could actually enjoy the time that leads up to that hard time. And if it's a hard time, then it's a hard time. But at least you didn't have a hard time leading up to the hard time. I mean, that just makes life doubly worse. That's what I was talking about before, turning that 50-50 of life into like a 90-10, which really, really sucks. So I came up with, and I kept adding steps Uh, So it's the eight steps, which I think eight steps is probably a lot, and maybe I'll narrow it down or whatever, to staying relaxed with anticipated hardships. So the first step is to entertain the possibility that it might be okay, and it might even be easy. The truth is, is we're not sure if it's going to be hard or not. So give equal time, equal airtime to the possibility that it's going to be okay. And that way, at least you give yourself a 50-50 shot. It's not 100% going to be ridiculous, hard. And enjoy the possibility that it might not be hard. Like really let that one sink in. Savor that one. Enjoy it. Step number two, check in with the future feeling that you're trying to avoid by making the assumption about how hard something is going to be. Because we've been learning to allow for any feeling. Remember, a feeling is a vibration in your body. You can handle it. You just have to allow for it, which means that you get to feel it fully. Notice what it's going to be. Where does it land in your body? What does it look like? What the color? What, what color is it? How does it make you feel? All of it you can do all of that. And when you know that you can handle a hard feeling, then you can do anything. Because really what we do by playing it small and living our life small is we're just trying to avoid feelings. And if we can handle it, then we don't even need to avoid it. All right. Step number three. Take the situation one step at a time and try not to manage a million things all at once to avoid the confusion, paralysis, and the overwhelm. I had a whole thing last week about overwhelm. Very exciting how to not allow yourself to be in overwhelm or you don't necessarily need to, but do it one step at a time. Think about what you're going to need to do to prepare for whatever the hard situation is and do it step by step and check it off and celebrate yourself. Every time you do something for yourself in the direction of that hard thing you're going to do. Step number four plan or rehearse what you're going to do if the situation gets hard. So, I definitely at times felt myself feeling really anxious about the possibility of me losing that money or having to give up something or feeling like I'm being taken advantage of. And then I do a lot of square breathing, I breathe in for four counts. I breathe out, which runs in a square moving out of my body for four counts, then up for four counts out of my body, and then four counts into my body. And I'm breathing that way constantly, but I breathe in a million different way. I breathe with every different count. I breathe and hold. I breathe and, and hold while I release. I mean, there's there's a million things you can do with your breath, but there's also a ton of other things you can do. I I. I feel my body against the chair and the points that it hits the chair, whatever sensation I can focus on. I'll look at the other person and notice the shape and texture of their hair, whatever it is to get yourself out of the loop thinking about what horrible things are happening for you. When you pull yourself out of your thought loop, then you could regain your composure and figure out what you need to do next. Okay. Uh, step number five is what I just said. Prepare techniques that help you make it through that hard situation. So uh, step four is to plan a rehearse. Step five is to prepare those techniques, whether it be breathing or those, poly- those positive intelligent exercises I just told you about with really using your senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, touching, whatever it is in order to get yourself out of the thought loop. Step number six, make sure that you have your own caretaking routine in place before the situation happens, which means that you maybe go for a run beforehand or do some breathing or call a friend and get to cry really hard or shake really hard or do whatever it is you need to do before that situation happens. Um, Do some tapping if you like that EFT tapping, meditate, whatever it is. Step number seven, see if you can enroll an ally to help you or be with you while you do the hard things. I'm thinking about that in terms of coming to a doctor's appointment. So I'm a family doctor and I would do a procedure called a colposcopy, which is a magnified pap smear for people who have abnormal pap smears with possible biopsies. And they were hard procedures. And everybody would come in alone. And I would say, is there anybody out in the waiting room that you would like to be with you while you're doing this procedure? And all of them said, oh, I didn't know I was allowed to have anyone in the procedure. Now, it, it is true. People might not like other people there, the room might get too crowded. Maybe it's stressful to have to take care of that other person, whatever it is. But as much as you can bring people with you to do those hard things that are not easy to do alone. We should never be doing hard things by ourselves. We've had to do that for a long time. We've already proven that we can do it. And now we get to allow other people to be there with us while we do these hard things. And let me tell you other people want to be there with us. They are honored to be there with us. We are not hard on other people, just like we would like to be with other people when they have hard situations come up. So make sure that you invite other people to your hard situations, if you see them as being hard, and keep a a light, just a light environment around it. Step number eight is see... Is there any opportunity to have more fun with that possible hard situation? Infuse some fun. Notice something funny about something that's going on. There is some way in which you could tickle yourself where you find the humor in something, where there is some way, even if it's a hard situation and you start with a little game or whatever it is before that situation begins, do what you can to try to have as much fun as possible. All right. That's what I got for you. I love you guys. I'm going to put the seven steps in the show notes. If you get in touch with me at Nikki at com, I will send them to you. I'm probably going to create a little, just something that I can actually send to you. Um, and there's a weekly newsletter that I'm going to be putting out again. I was doing it for my parenting podcast. uh, And now I'd love to be doing it for you. We are figuring shit out and we're going to figure it out together. So if you want to get in touch with me and you need more help figuring shit out and you want to do it one-on-one, please just get in touch with me, Nikki at drnickinaridan.com. All right. I love you guys and have a wonderful week. Hey everybody, if you want to work with me and really figure shit out, get unstuck and off the emotional roller coaster and heading towards your passion and I know you can, get in contact with me and let's work together. It'll be worth worth it for the life of your dreams. Okay, you can get in touch with me at Nikki at DrNikkiNeredin.com. That's N-I-K-K-I at D-R-N-I-K-K-I-N-E-R-E-T-I-N.com. Take care. Love you guys.